listening to Inner Warm Up. I'm your host, Taylor Lise Morrison, founder and author of Inner Workout, ICF certified coach, and fellow journeyer. In 2017, I set out to build a life that didn't burn me out, and I found my life's work in the process. On Inner Warm Up, we talk about how self care and inner work show up in your relationships, your career, your schedule, and in the conversations you have with yourself. We get practical, we get nuanced, and we're not afraid to challenge wellness as usual. So take a deep breath and get curious. This is where your inner work begins. Today on the show, we have my friend, L'Oreal Thompson-Payton. She is an award-winning journalist. Most recently, she was a health and wellness reporter at Fortune, and her work has been featured in several national outlets. Her debut book, Stop Waiting for Perfect, just came out earlier this year, and I loved our conversation so much. We talked about the ways that perfectionism can sneak its way into our play, what a two-year-old can teach us about presence. And there was just this reminder at the end that we are all on a journey. I felt so seen in this conversation, and my hope is that you will feel the same way too. So keep listening. Want to know how growth starts? With asking yourself the right questions. Our free Take Care assessment asks you 75 questions that get to the root of what you need most right now. After completing the assessment, you'll get a PDF profile with practices based on your results. Head to the link in our show notes to take care today. L'Oreal, I am so excited to talk to you. I love having our little pre-conversations. This is inside baseball for people listening to the episode. I always chit-chat a little bit with people before we start recording. And then I get so excited about our conversation that I'm like, oh, wait, we should probably start recording. And that's what just happened with me and L'Oreal. So thank you for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. As always, legit one of my favorite people just in the world. So it's always a pleasure to chat with you. I love it. I'm honored. And also, I'm trying to think, you might be the first repeat guest on the show. So I think you get that honor. Thank you. (laughs) Well, we're here to mostly talk about what you do outside of work. But I also know for people who are listening to this episode, who haven't gotten to meet you in the past episode, which we will link in the show notes, they might be a little bit curious about like what you do for work before we talk about what you do outside of work. So can you tell us more about that? Absolutely. So I'm a writer. I'm a newly published author. My debut book, Stop Waiting for Perfect, came out this past August. And as of earlier this month, I am a full-time freelance writer. Again, those who have been following my career journey for a while know there have been a lot of stops and starts and pivots and pivot again. And so I'm really excited to say that I am doing that full-time. And I'm also a speaker. I do keynote presentations. I moderate panels, lead workshops, facilitate yoga, mindfulness sessions, that sort of thing, you name it. I'm just so happy to get to hear you introduce yourself in that way because last time we had you on, you were introducing yourself in a different way. So it's just cool to get to, even in these two episode touch points, get to follow along on your journey a little bit. I had the pleasure of talking to you about your book, Stop Waiting for Perfect in Chicago. And 
It was just so cool. Actually, I didn't plan to talk about this, but it was kind of a full circle moment to be having your book Chicago event, one of your Chicago events in that particular bookstore. Can you tell people about the full circle-ness of that? Oh, yes. I love this story. And it's funny because my publicist, I'm pretty sure, was like, why are you so hell-bent on it being at Women and Children's First? Because I was like, it has to be here. And it was very serendipitous that a friend of mine who actually had helped connect me to our IVF doctor, actually, you were the one I was talking to when we were at the wing. And I was telling you how IVF was going. We had just started the process and I wasn't happy with our clinic. And Hannah overheard us at the wing RIP. And she was like, hey, you should come check out this clinic that I work for. And I did. And we met Dr. Jelani, who I love. Multiple cycles later, had our daughter. And it's just like, we all live happily ever after. And then when I was planning the book tour, and I know, as you know, as a new author, it's really hard (laughs) to get bookstores and places to take a chance on us because we don't have, you know, the sales yet. I don't have a super large following. And so it can be a little bit harder than, you know, some other authors to get our names out there, to get our books out there. And she happened to know the owner of Women and Children's First. She's like, hey, do you want me to make an intro? And I'm like, absolutely, yes. So I always credit Hannah with so much because it's like, you helped me have my baby and also like launched my book baby. And so she's an incredible person and human being for that. And the reason why I was like, it has to be here was because in 2016, I believe it was, I went to a book event at Women and Children's First and it was lovey. I think she was still like, Ajayi at that time. Like she wasn't married yet. This is way back when Samantha Irby, I think maybe it was her. And I forget whose event it was, but they were in conversation with each other. And I felt equal parts inspired and motivated because here are these two Chicago bloggers turned authors. And that was amazing. And that's exactly what I wanted for my own story and my career. And I was also just like, so overcome with jealousy. (laughs) Um, It was not a good look. It's not a good look on anybody, especially me. And I'm a Scorpio, so I'm very prone to jealousy, I feel like. But I remember standing in line and they signed the books and it was a great event and they are wonderful people, writers. Like I just, I love their work and I admire them greatly. But on that bus ride home, it was a lot of the imposter syndrome that I write about in the book. My inner critic was very loud. It's like, you're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You're not talented enough. You'll never write a book. You'll never go on tour. You know, like all of these things that I was telling myself. And that was really the uh, impetus for me going to therapy because I got home. I changed into my Wonder Woman pajamas, uh, which is very ironic because I did feel really wonderful <laughs> in that moment. And I was crying and I found myself going down one of those spirals again with that inner critic and not feeling like I was good enough or talented enough that I will never be an author at their level. And to be clear, like I'm still not at their level yet, but it was just Gotta very, add that yet. The gotta end. add the yet, right? Because I'm very big into manifesting, speaking it into existence, doing the work, of course, but I'm very confident that, you know, this is just the beginning. And so having Women and Children's First say yes, having the event there was very full circle in that way because I know where I was at that point back in 2016 and feeling very down on myself and being very not so nice (laughs) to myself with that, you know, inner talk that we all have to now being there with my family. You know, Jeff was there. I've had Violet in the audience uh, for a little bit before it was time for her dinner and she left. (laughs) And my friends, it was just like, wow, okay, these things that I had worked really hard toward 
have come true, have manifested, and they're here now. And it all still feels a bit surreal, honestly. Like there's been a lot of pinch me moments <laughs> along the way, and that was certainly one of them. And thank you for being, you know, my conversation partner in that space as well. That was really meaningful to me. I was so honored. And I was just like, I just want everyone to celebrate L'Oreal and her brilliance in this moment. In reading your book, it was, I mean, we've called each other Enneagram twins for quite a while. We're both Enneagram threes. You're a wing two. I'm a wing four. But we relate to each other in a lot of ways. And I felt like as I was reading the book, there were even more commonalities of like, having parts of our life where we grew up in predominantly white environments and having these like really high standards for ourselves, which I'm really interested to talk to you about in this context, because the whole theme of this season is play date. And we're talking about our relationships to hobbies and to leisure and to play. And I'm wondering how has perfectionism kind of impacted your ability or your relationship to those things like hobby and leisure and all of the things that you do outside of work? Tremendously, a tremendous impact. I still remember it was either toward the end of 2018 or 2019. And my friend and newly asked me, so what is it you do for fun? And I was really taken aback by her question because it was, uh, we're in an accountability group with our friend Chastity and we were meeting to discuss our goals for the upcoming year and being the Enneagram three that I am, the achiever that I am, I could rattle off this whole long list of my goals and what I wanted to do, what I wanted to achieve. And when she asked me that question, it stopped me dead in my tracks. And I was just like, I don't know. And if I'm being honest, I'm still trying to come up with an answer all these years later. I did end up getting a Peloton in the very early beginning of 2020, right before the pandemic hit. And I told myself, like, this is going to be a hobby. This is for fun. But as I write in the book, it also became an obsession where I was like dead set every day, uh, obsessed with getting this blue dot. And for the uninitiated, a blue dot in Peloton speak is the, the little, literally, it's a blue dot you get for completing a workout. So either on the bike or yoga, meditation, strength class, bar, you name it, you do a workout, you earn your blue dot. It's like gold stars for adults. And if I'm being honest too, that was part of what attracted me to the bike as well in the app because I was that kid who thrived on gold stars. I skipped a grade. I was valedictorian in my eighth grade class. I graduated Mata Cum Laude from college. Like my whole life has been about achievement. And when I lost that blue dot streak, like 600 some days later, and like to really drive home the point of the obsession, like it was the day of our scheduled C-section and we were driving to the airport at like three o'clock in the morning. And I was listening to one of the guided meditations so I wouldn't lose my streak. And I did, <laughs> and I'm not proud of that. I look back and I'm just like, what were you thinking? I was in a hospital even, like had just given birth, been like cut open and was, once I got the clear to, you know, walk the halls and everything was listening to the meditations. I was just like, by any means necessary, got to keep this streak. And then it was like a nondescript Tuesday afternoon in November, about a month after she was born, taking her to her doctor's appointment and everything. And at 12.01, I realized I hadn't logged in for the day and I cried like real tears <laughs> for not earning my blue dot for the day. And that's when I realized, girl, you have an issue here in that after therapy and talking through and working around, like, why was this so important to me? Like, how did you take something that was supposed to be 
good for you, like working out and make it into this drug, essentially. And after doing some inner work on that, realized, you know, I'm still worthy. I'm still the same L'Oreal with or without my blue dot streak and that that's not the end of the world. But it's very, especially being Enneagram 3, like there's a slippery slope (laughs) between like, I'm doing this for fun and now I want to do it really well. And like another example is during the pandemic, I remember in 2020, I kept getting sponsored ads for yoga teacher training. And I was like, sure, why not? Everyone else is baking bread. I'm not a baker. I'll do, <laughs> I'll do YTT. And cause it's like, it's not enough for me to do something for fun or simply be good at it. I have to be the best or it doesn't count. And that's where the perfectionism really comes into play with like hobbies and leisure. It's telling me that lie of like, it doesn't count if you're not the best, if you're not doing it perfectly, if you're not at the top of the leaderboard on Peloton and like, it's so messed up. <laughs> Yeah. And I can actually, I mean, as always, I can relate to a lot of what you said. And something that I've had to tease out in my own life is I grew up with parents who told me that it didn't matter what grade I got as long as I did my best. But what happened is that my best was often among the best. And so it got twisted in my mind. That's like, well, as long as you're the best, then you're good. And that's not what my parents said, but that's what I internalized. And so something that I still am kind of finding my way around as an adult is like doing things that I'm bad at for fun. Like in my work life, I've really leaned into how can I find the things that the gifts and talents that I have that I'm good at, that I'm excited to do and make money doing that. And I feel so fortunate that I'm able to do that in my work life. But in my play life, I'm learning how to be okay with being bad at things. And like, this is not the space where I have to be the best at everything. And it's hard. Yeah. It's real, and that's the same upbringing too, where my parents like try your best, do your best, and like you said, twisted that with like, okay, well, you have to be the best, and it's yeah, kind of just like very damaging, <laughs> you know, to a young child especially because you grow up and you internalize that. And I'll be honest, like I'm still trying to find a hobby. I tried puzzling, and I got frustrated because it wasn't coming to me quickly enough. I will color sometimes with my daughter and like that's for fun. I will say that parenting has helped bring out that play in me because for so long it's been like work, 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 work. And even things like the yoga teacher training that are supposed to be relaxing and a hobby or leisurely, I have found a way to monetize. And so I'm really just out here (laughs) trying to find a hobby. If anyone has any recommendations, let me know. But it's been a work in progress. We all have 24 hours in the day. But depending on your schedule, your responsibilities, and your finances, it doesn't always feel like that. We built the Inner Workout app to help you practice self-care with the time you have. It's filled with journaling practices, meditations, and mini courses called Journeys that you can complete in 10 minutes or less. But that's not all. Find more time for self-care with lock sessions, which go beyond notification blocking and allow you to lock yourself out of apps that steal your time and attention. Visit innerworkout.co slash app or click the link in the show notes to add the Inner Workout app to your support system. 
you mentioned something interesting. So you've mentioned Violet, your cutie pie daughter that I finally got to meet at the Women and Children First event. And she was just so cute and also so curious. I was like, oh, you're, I can already tell. (laughs) She's going places. She's asking the big questions, I'm sure. But you started to mention pieces of your journey where like the Peloton blue dot in the hospital, trying to listen to this meditation. And then you just mentioned now that Violet is out of your body and into the world and has been for, what, a couple of years now? Two years in October. Yeah. Is she also a Scorpio? She was supposed to be. That was the due date. That was November 3rd, November 4th with my grandmother's birthday too. But then because long story short with fibroids and everything, they were like, let's do a scheduled C-section. And so it's 37 weeks. So technically she's a Libra, but her heart, <laughs> she was supposed to be a Scorpio like her mama. And don't think I didn't try to ask the doctor too. I was like, how far out can we push this? And she was like, no, this is, <laughs> these are the dates. And I was like, cool, cool, cool. <laughs> safety over astrology. That was a (laughs) a side note where I was like, oh, wait, just curious. But I do want to know more about how motherhood has impacted your ability to engage with hobbies and leisure or what it's taught you. You you mentioned like already you're kind of coloring with Violet and that's helping you tap into play. Are there any other things that motherhood has taught you or shown a light on in terms of your play? Yeah, it's very interesting because we got, we found out we were pregnant February 2021 and I got the book deal in like spring, summer 2021. So everything was happening at the same time and writing the book and raising a tiny human at the same time was this masterclass in unlearning perfectionism. Like the book itself trying to write this perfect first draft, those three words don't go together. Like it's just (laughs) impossible to do. And once I finally came to that realization, it was easier to let go. Like I saw a tweet that talked about, you can edit bad, but you can't edit nothing. So I was like, I just got to get words on the paper and it's my editor's job to help me make them sound better. And she did. And it turned out great. And at the same time, I learned that parenting and perfection don't go together. Like kids, do not care about your schedule if you have to be somewhere on time. And I used to be so big into punctuality. I mean, I think it's a part of also, like I write in the book, being a Black woman, you know, you have to work twice as hard to get half as much as something that my parents ingrained in us without saying as much, but something that my dad did tell me and my sister growing up was like, to be on time is to be late. To be late is unacceptable. And it was like, okay, so I always have to be early. I have to be perfect. And having a kid, it was just like, y'all, we got a good 15, 20 minutes on either side of when we're actually going to show up somewhere. And I had to learn to let go of that. And honestly, daycare has been a really good boundary for me for work because I am someone, especially when I'm writing, I can get like lost in the zone, lost in the project, lost in the story, lose track of time. But I am not going to be late to daycare pickup because I'm not paying those late fees. So it's a very good and natural cutoff for me for the workday. And then because I work from home and most of the days, especially when Jeff is in the office, I'm picking her up and we have a few hours before he gets home and we start the dinner time, bedtime routine. 
that's like dedicated Violet time. We FaceTime my family. If it's nice out, we'll go for a walk or we'll go to the playground. And it forces me to get from behind my desk and behind my laptop and engage with her. And especially now that she's a toddler, she is so curious, so into everything. She loves reading. And I pray that that never changes. Um, I know I'm a little bit biased because writer, but she loves, 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 loves books, loves going to the library. And I'm noticing also is mimicking me as well. So I'm being very mindful of that. Like she would write in all of my notebooks. And finally, I just gave her her own notebook <laughs> to write in. And she she's writing her little stories too, I guess. Right? I don't know what's like important to a two-year-old, but she's writing it. And I want to encourage that. I want to encourage the curiosity and the play. And what I don't want is for, and then granted, sometimes if I have my laptop open, and I'm like sending off a quick email or something and she'll come over and like try to type as well. But I don't want that to be how she looks at me like, oh, mommy's always on her laptop and she's always working. So it's important to me to get down on the floor with her in a little play area and, you know, like hold her baby. She has a little baby named Baby and just have fun and give her my like full attention. And it's been really helpful for me and holds me accountable to tap into that inner child and like, yeah, we're going to color and we're going to read some books and stickers. We're really into stickers right now. And I, I love a good sticker. Like, yeah, I'm 35, but stickers are still really cool. <laughs> so it's given me permission in that way as well to embrace my own inner child and just kind of like let go of the perfection and what everything else and what other people and I hold myself up to, you know, a really high standard she's a kid. She doesn't care. She just cares that I'm on the floor playing with her. And that's what's most important at the end of the day. That's such a good reminder, whether or not you have kids, of this reminder of like tapping into our inner child, our inner toddler, like the part of us that like didn't care, doesn't care if it's the fanciest toy or the fanciest gadget, but just cares that we're like taking the time to do something that seems fun and interesting. And at that point, like, Violet doesn't really have a concept of what work is. And even if she did see you in front of your laptop, she doesn't understand that, like, mom is doing this thing to make money, etc. She just is noticing, like, mom is present with me right now. Sometimes she does those other things. And I'm just wondering, I'm just thinking for myself, like, how can I give myself and my inner child more of that gift of just, like, doing the thing with what I have right there. There's a woman named Beth Gaskell. She's Chicago-based. She owns this company called Big City Readers. And she talks about like how you can do all of these things to engage kids in reading. And sometimes you think it's like, I have to buy the best book or I have to buy like this fancy gadget. And she's like, well, what if you like use the pizza box that you have in your hand to practice letters? Or what if you're out and about and you do these different things? And it's all about using the resources that you have. And I just am realizing for myself how often in my like adult brain, I will tell myself, well, I can't really start that hobby because I don't have the right outfit for it. So I have a few minutes right now, but I don't have the right outfit. So I'm not going to dance or I'm not going to try and doodle because I don't have the perfect charcoal or the perfect paper for it. And like our inner toddler is like, cool, there's something to write with. There's something to write on. We're doing it. So thank you, L'Oreal, for being the channel of Violet, who is teaching us this beautiful lesson. 
I am curious because you mentioned when you were having this one-on-one time with Violet, you were like, this is Violet time. And then you talked about how you have your time for work when Violet is at daycare. What does me time look like for you these days? And I acknowledge that I'm asking you this during probably one of the busiest seasons of your life. But that means that it's even more important to take that time. And that's something that I worked with on my therapist. She was like, you need to schedule it in, put it on your calendar because it's so easy to, especially as a woman, as a mom, like put yourself on the bottom of your to-do list. And so I'm getting to know my me time again, you know, like recently leaving a full-time job, becoming a full-time freelance writer again. And when I was working through this decision, like, do I go back to freelance? Like, what do I do? And then my coach, Jenny Gritter, shout out to her, was like, I want to make sure you spend the remainder of this year resting and recovering. Because I was burnt out, quite honestly. I saw on LinkedIn this chart that, and if I find it, I'll send it to you so you can share it in the show notes. But it had a post about the 12 stages of burnout. And I realized I was hovering at a strong 11.5. And honestly, in one of my therapy sessions from over the summer, and she was telling my therapist was saying, you know, I'm starting to notice some depressive symptoms. I was like, okay, we've got to get out. Something's got to change. This is no longer sustainable. And because my tendency is to go big, I don't go home, right? Like it's go hard and that's, that's it. There's no other option. But in this season, both literally and figuratively, Jenny's really encouraging me to to slow down. And I love that it's on this cusp of fall and going into winter where we naturally tend to hibernate anyway. And she's encouraging, like literally my homework from my freelance coach is to return to my morning workout routine and just my morning routine in general, which looks a little bit different these days, like pre-pandemic and pre-baby. You know, I had all the time in the world, it seemed like, to, you know, journal and meditate, do a devotional and squeeze in a workout. And that looks a little bit differently, especially the days when I take her to daycare. Like, it's not going to be the first thing I do in the morning. I have to get her ready for school. And so, but once I come back, Now that I'm in charge of my own schedule, I have that luxury and that time and that space to really take my time with my morning routine and return to myself in that way. So my homework is getting back into the swing of my morning routine and my morning workouts and going on coffee dates with friends because that's something I really love doing, but I felt really anxious about it when I was working full time. Like I felt like I was on the clock and, you know, I have to get back on Slack. And I, especially working remotely, there was that pressure I put in on myself to, you know, be the perfect remote employee and always be present and doing all these things. It was just giving me so much, so much stress and anxiety. So I am looking forward to yeah rediscovering that me time and implementing it, but really like putting it on the calendar and holding that time and making sure that it's sacred and that I'm putting myself at the top of my to-do list rather than the bottom, right? Because I don't need to earn my rest (laughs) and recovery. I think that's sometimes a tendency to like, oh, after I finish this email, after I finish this story, after I finish this project, then I'll do the yoga class or I'll take a nap and I'll watch this documentary or whatever. And I'm try to, and that's my default thinking. So it's really practice for me to flip that. And it's like, I'm going to pour into myself first so that I can pour out into everyone else throughout the course of the day. But if I'm pulling, you know, pouring rather from this empty cup, then it's not good. I'm not 
gonna be a good L'Oreal <laughs> like to myself and the writing is not gonna be good not gonna be good for my family and my friends and so it's really it's more than like self-care and how we've come to describe it as a society it's really like nourishing myself and self-love in that way and community care in the sense that I am better to everyone else when I'm really you know good to myself first and foremost yeah and we lose that so often And this is something that I knew that I personally would get a lot out of this conversation, just knowing how much we have in in common. But it is just such a good reminder. It reminds me of that old kind of, it's not even a quote, an old saying that there was this like master teacher and someone was talking to him and like saying, how long should you meditate? And he said something like 30 minutes. And the guy was like, well, I'm too busy for 30 minutes. So the master teacher was like, oh, then you need 60 minutes. And it's, (laughs) it's, yeah, not that I talk a lot about how we don't need to put so much pressure on the amount of time that we do things. But I do think there's something in that prioritization where it's like, when you feel like you don't have time to prioritize it, that is the moment when you need to prioritize yourself and your care most because that's telling you something, that feeling of you not having time and space for yourself in your own lived experience is a sign that you need to slow down and create space and really a sign that I need to as well. This is something I've been thinking about as we're recording this. I'm in the midst of like, one of the biggest, most like exciting and ambitious things we've ever done for inner workout. And I find myself being like, well, I'm going to jump straight into doing work in the morning or I'm going to blah, 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 blah. And it's like, well, if we're working on something self-care related, this is my invitation to practice what I preach, which is like part of the reason why I still get drawn to the work of this company because I, I need it. And I need that reminder every single day. Yeah. And same with like, how, what do I look like encouraging everyone else to take these chances and these risks and step out on faith and believe in yourself and don't let the inner critic get the best of you when that does happen to me. Like literally the night of the women and children's first event, I went home and I, against my better judgment, was looking up like New York Times bestsellers list and all these other things. I saw writers that had gotten invited to Printer Row Lit Fest and I didn't, even though I had applied and I was feeling really discouraged about that. Like that jealousy is still there. It's not like, oh, I've made it and I've checked this thing off of my list. And so now life is great. It's an everyday practice. And so I've had to go back and reread my own chapter on jealousy and remind myself of those tools because again, I need to not just, you know, talk the talk, but walk the walk and being kind to myself in those moments too. Like, yes, I'm grateful for everything. And there's still these fleeting moments of jealousy and that's okay. Like both of these things can be true. Doesn't make me a terrible human, but yeah, same like with being drawn to the work. And this is why I do what I do because it's a, it's a journey. It's not like I've reached this milestone and now it's complete and everything is perfect. Like it's just, you know, getting started. We're just getting into like, the weeds of it, I feel like. And so it's been very interesting to live it as now I'm like talking about it in interviews and other speaking engagements and things like that, where it's like, no, it's still very much applicable to my life in present day. Yeah. What a gift to get to do work that gives us that reminder, but also for everyone listening, 
like what a gift to be an active participant in your own journey. And you don't have to write a book to start to notice these patterns. It can be you journaling or you being in therapy or you being in deep relationship with people who can start to see like, oh, we're we're noticing this arc happen again. Here's how you dealt with it before. And I love like sometimes going back into my own journals and being like, oh, but I, w- I have the same thought here. But guess what? Like that version of me would think about where I'm at now or what wisdom did that version of me have to gift myself now? So there's so much that we can learn by engaging with our past self, whether that's our inner child or like us from six months ago who wrote something in a journal. I could chit chat with you all day. I'm just feeling so seen and so inspired and so excited for you and all that you are stepping into. I would guess that listeners are feeling the same way and are like, I need more L'Oreal in my life. So how can they get their L'Oreal fix? Yeah, you can find my book, Stop Waiting for Perfect, anywhere that books are sold. And it's also available in audiobook. And I narrated myself, which was exciting. And you can subscribe to my weekly motivational newsletter at ltinthecity.com and follow me on social media at ltinthecity. Lovely. Thanks for being on, L'Oreal. Thank you for having me. As always, appreciate you. Inner Warm Up is a collaborative effort. It's hosted by me, Taylor Lee Morrison. Produced by Jenny Kearns and edited by Carolina Duque. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with a friend. And if you're looking to continue your inner work, our free take care assessment is a great place to start. On that note, take care.